This is the Hockey News Podcast. It's the Hockey News Podcast, and oh my god, fellas, Matt Larkin here with Ken Campbell and Ryan Kennedy. There's so much literal hockey news to discuss. Everything. Everything is, is happening. Happening. Right. I mean, I know you got LeBron James and DeMarcus Cousins over in that NBA thingy, but let's just get down to brass tacks. John Tavares, we have to lead off this podcast with John Tavares. Um, I know that Islanders fans and fans of other Canadian teams don't want to hear this, but it's a massive story. It's arguably, at the very least, it's the biggest free agent signing of the salary cap era. Uh, and if you factor yeah. in John yeah. Tavares's age and the previous free agency age, you could argue it's the biggest UFA signing of all time. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, yep. Um, I don't know where to start with this one. Maybe we start with the Vegas odds, which now have put the Toronto Maple Leafs as the Stanley Cup favorite. I don't know if that's just a little bit overhyped, but I'm curious what you guys think. Have the Leafs now positioned themselves as the best team in the NHL with Tavares? They're not even the best team in Canada. Hey. Hey. Hey-o. No, no. I guess, do, do the guys in Vegas know that the Leafs are going to go out and get a defenseman and a goalie that, who can play in the playoffs? Because they still need that. Okay, like the, the, the optimist says you can never have enough centermen, and that's right. And, 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 I mean, they are better today than they were before July 1st. They're, they're, they're significantly better. However, um, this doesn't solve what they really needed. Because what they really needed wasn't out there. Jacob Trouba wasn't out there. You know, Oliver Ekman Larson had been signed. Um, you know, and guys, I am not sold on Freddie Anderson as a, as a clutch goalie. I'm just not. He, there's been too many times in too many pressure situations where he's just underperformed. And I think those two aspects still make the Leafs wanting, in my opinion. I mean, they were already one of the most dynamic teams in the league. They, were all, they could already hang with anybody offensively. They could already score, them, score, score their way out of trouble lots of times. Um, you know, so they added an 80, 80 to 85 point guy. Does that necessarily make them that much better? Yes, it does. But it doesn't make them better in the places where they needed to get better. Here's what I think is going to happen. And here's what I think is important about this John Tavares signing is what it means down the food chain and what they do with the assets down the food chain. Here's what I think is going to happen. Leafs are going to go into next season with the team they have. They're going to play next season with the team they have. They're going to score lots of goals in the regular season. They're going to, they're going to get great, you know, they're going to have great regular season numbers. They might even win the division. And then in the playoffs, they're going to get slapped right in the face. They're going to get slapped right in the face, and they're going to, they're going to, they're going to get upset in the first round. First round. And, and what's going to happen, in my opinion, is they're, then they're going to sit back and go, okay, here's what we need to do. So we do need to ta- trade Willie Nylander. Maybe we, need, maybe we even need to trade Mitch Marner to get what we need. You know what I mean? And I think that's how this is going to play out. I Ryan's think that, shaking his head at Ken right now. I, I He's loading th- up for a big, I, I think, big I think, rebuttal. I really, like, like, if I'm looking into a crystal ball, that's what I see. All right. Um, I understand where you're coming from with the defense core, but I will parry with the Pittsburgh Penguins defense core from two years ago that did not have Chris Letang and went all the way with a second-year goaltender. Um... I think Toronto's defense is better than Pittsburgh's was in that playoff run. Uh, Morgan Riley is going to be just as good, if not better. You know, everybody remembers Jake Gardner for that one game against Boston, but he's a oh, very the one mobile where, defenseman. You mean the one where he went minus five? 
Yeah, that one. Yeah, that, 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 that one, one game. game. That one game. I also heard that one game Connor McDavid didn't score any points. It happens. It's amazing. Yeah. But it happens. Yeah, in game seven of a playoff yeah. series going minus five, one game, that's that's more than just a one yeah. game blip, guys. People said that about Ovechkin, too. They said Ovechkin and the Capitals could never get it done. They got it done. The matchup problems that this Toronto lineup is going to give teams are going to be hellish because not only do you free up Austin Matthews by getting John Tavares, but look at what Nazem Kadri is going to get to play against. If he's not shutting yeah, he's, down... he's going to be sheltered. He's going to be playing third-line minutes and third-line opponents. I, I yeah. get all that, and I agree wholeheartedly with you. Yeah, the defense doesn't need to be spectacular. All they have to do is get the puck up to the forwards. That's how the Pittsburgh Penguins did it. And that's where I disagree with you 100%, is that defense doesn't have to be spectacular. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And Pittsburgh's defense was not spectacular. Mm-hmm. That defense was a very workmanlike, safe bunch of guys who played defense and just did what they had to do. The guys on Toronto, they make a lot of things happen in their own end as well as the other end. And they're very, they, they, they have a lot of forwards who are defensively irresponsible and their defensemen, some of them are defensively irresponsible. And I think that's, that's where the difference is, is these guys are not safe bets. They're not guys who, who are really good at reading defensive coverage and all that sort of stuff. I think they get flustered in big games. I think they, get, I think they lose their heads. We've seen it many, many times in games where the Leafs have had the lead. And then they end up blowing it in the last minute because everybody's running around on their own agenda doing, you know, doing things that y- you look and you go, why did he do that? But you forget that the lead candidate there is now in Dallas, Roman Polak. Wow. Yeah. And the, the least defensively responsible forwards on the Leafs were Tyler Bozak and James Van Riemsdyk. Yeah. And they're who gone. Who are gone. Uh, and I, I sort of – I agree with certain elements of what you're saying, Ken, but not all of them. Um, I agree that the Leafs are not a complete team. I don't think they're the Stanley Cup favorite. I still think the Winnipeg Jets have the best team in the NHL. Absolutely. I think Tampa Bay probably has a better, or at least more complete roster than the Leafs right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think the Leafs are going to be, uh, you know, they're going to be borderline, you know, 45-50 win team. They're going to get 105, 110 points. <clears throat> um, but I think the one assumption you're making, Ken, is that this is a static roster. I don't think Kyle Dubas is done. I think he's going to search for, for more workmanlike pieces to add to the defense core that are on bargains. He even said on Sunday in his presser that they're getting interest from some veteran players who are interested in coming to join the Leafs on a short-term basis because they want mm-hmm. to be part of something. So yeah. I'm looking at a guy like Calvin DeHaan. And who's more workmanlike and serviceable? It, who plays that well, then, game better than Calvin yeah, DeHaan? Yeah, no, he's, I, he's the quintessential that kind of guy. And he exactly. has always played with John Tavares. Yeah, he's a and, young and Ron that, Hainsey. He's like, a, he's like Ron Hainsey 10 years ago. Just kind of a backhanded comment. And but, that, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's never played any playoff games either. But, I'm, uh, but, <laughs> you know, I, but I mean, if, that, if those things happen, then that changes the conversation. I'm yeah. saying right here, right now, today, um, you know, I mean, I don't know how Vegas can make the Toronto Maple Leafs on July 3rd. 2017 or July 2nd or whatever day they did it, the Stanley Cup favorite. Yeah, but I think there's also an assumption that even if this is a, this is their roster right now, when you get to the trade deadline where the salary cap doesn't matter as much, you can get that safe defenseman that all of a sudden moves everybody down. And you've talked about it before. It's, it's not always the flashy no. guy that makes yeah, a difference. it was Michael Kempney this year. It was Michael yeah, Kempney yeah, this yeah, year, yeah. Uh, who, let's face it, was not good until he played with John Carlson. Right. But that's the chemistry that worked. So, I mean, who knows? I, I was joking to myself today that, you know, with Jack Johnson going to Pittsburgh, it's like, man, he couldn't even crack Columbus's top six. But 
because it's the Penguins, we're going to find out that, like, Olimata was the key to un- unlocking Jack Johnson's, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. amazing yeah. chemistry. And yeah. just that's how it goes. But, I mean, that's what could happen maybe it's in just, Toronto. Maybe it's just me hoping against hope that they suck because I know the fans will be insufferable if this team is a, a Stanley Cup contender and if they win it they'll be even more unsufferable so maybe that's maybe it's just me hoping against hope that's the thing i've never understood on twitter the hate the hatred toward a team that has been so bad for so long it's not like the leafs are are they the they're not the yankees the 70s they're not winning so I, I don't i never understand the vitriol that that fans have toward the leafs a team that like has a history of just horrible failures and chokes and they've been beaten down like they're, they're not bragging about anything you think there'd be more hatred toward like i don't know the Blackhawks or the Penguins or those fans who are spoiled, right? I, I, never, I never understood. Uh, the other thing I think we have to look at, but I agree with Ken. I know what you're saying that we can't, you know, we have to judge based on what the roster is at the time of recording this <coughs> podcast. But Tavares on Sunday singled out the Marlies as one of the things that attracted him to the team. He said he's signing, you know, he, in, his, in his mind, it's seven years and seven, a seven-year window of, of cup contention. And, I, and one of the reasons he said uh, for that, Mentality is he knows the Leafs are so deep with assets that goes they go way deep into the farm system. In Future Watch, our Future Watch magazine, the scouting panel ranked the Leafs development system first. So Dubas has a lot of assets and some of which he can spare. Or if he's not sparing those assets, he can spare first round picks down the road because they're so swelled now. Yeah, and they'll be picking late every year, so yeah. it's it's yeah, not going to be. Yeah, those teams still move those picks, like Pittsburgh and Chicago move. Them no, no, that, that's what I'm saying. So it won't yeah. be it won't be as 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 big a hardship to move a, the 27th overall pick yeah. as it would be to move the 8th right, overall Right, right, right. Yeah. But I, I don't agree <clears throat> with the Frederick Anderson assessment. I think the sample size is still pretty small. They've been in the first round two years. Anderson bailed out the Leafs so many games throughout both regular seasons. He's completely just shell-shocked from getting peppered, peppered with shots from the leaky defense. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know, Curtis. I don't jo- have a problem with Curtis. Joseph, Curtis Joseph got peppered with shots from defense. I watched it for four years, and he was great all the time. I, to me, I, I just I don't see a goaltender there that can deliver a team to the Stanley Cup. And when you've got a team like the Leafs, you can say all you want that the goaltending just has to be good, but sometimes it has to be great. Sometimes, you know, I mean, there are teams where the goalie just has to be good, and he just has to not lose series. <coughs> I think for the Leafs, the way they play and – and, and the way they're structured, I think there are times when the goalie does have to bail them out. And I, I don't know that he does. And I just find he has way too many wild swings of inconsistency and way too many times where he's going through patches where he can't stop anything. A.K. he's a goaltender in today's NHL. Brady Holtby <laughs> was benched to start the playoffs, and then he ended up carrying Washington in the Cup. Matt Murray won, won two Cups in a row his first two seasons. This year, he had like a 907 save percentage. You've got... Okay, so Ar- just... Ar- just Ar- okay, so just... Ar- just got pulled three times in one series, yanked. Okay, so just so we're clear, we're, we're putting Frederick Anderson in with... Braden Holby and Pecorino. Yes, that, that, that's, that's what we're that's doing. That's clearly what I'm doing. Right? That's what we're doing. And you know that's what I'm doing, right? That's you just said. what I'm doing? Yeah. You're, gonna yes. t- you're, gonna t- you're taking it that literally at face value? No, what I'm saying is... Well, what point it, are you making The then? point I'm making is that today's NHL goaltending is so fickle that even the guys that are perceived as elite get thrown in the toilet sometimes. Like Pecorino almost, he just won the Vezina Trophy and people are talking about UC Soros taking his job. So, so what I'm saying is I, I think it's way too early to judge Frederick Anderson and say, oh, he's a choker. A two-year a two two window is... Yeah. He's been here two years. Two seasons. And you've, and you've, well, two and playoff, you've two playoff, two playoff series. rounds. I two think playoff you series. Yeah, and you, you've, you haven't... He, wasn't, he was fine. He wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible. 
My point is, in today's era when goaltending is so fickle, I think it's way too soon to just write off Anderson when you have the guys that are perceived as elite having horrible patches and horrible bouts of inconsistency. Like, what I'm saying is you could trade Frederick Anderson straight up for the Vezina Trophy winner, Pecorine, and you might get worse goaltending, not better. Yeah, but you, but you couldn't trade him for straight up for Braden Holby and get worse goaltending. We, we don't think, but I mean... Again, oh, I know, Holby, I know, no, we know, we know, we know, we know. Braden Holby's... In another stratosphere. I would, ta- Fred- I would take Brandon Holby over Frederick Anderson. Hey, he's in another. He's in another stratosphere. Right, but what I'm not. saying he's, is, he's a, he's he's a significantly yes, better goalie and, than Frederick and yet, Anderson. And yet, and yet, he was benched to start the playoffs. What does that tell you? A goalie that's perceived as that much better than Frederick Anderson that tells wasn't me Barry, even good enough to start on a, for his own team. That tells me that, that tells me that Barry Trotz lost his mind and <laughs> went insane for a couple of days. What that's I, all that I'm tells just me. me that today, that's all in that tells era, me. You can't. You don't want to put all your chips. All your money on a goaltender because the goalie that's perceived as inferior is going to have a better year randomly than the goalies who are perceived as elite. It's so fickle. They're like running backs in football. So spend your money elsewhere. And if you have a goalie who's top 10, top 12, good enough, I think that's all you need. Okay. Right. Well, I, 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 I disagree. I think, I, I, just, I think you need someone who's consistent. And I don't think he's consistent enough. He has his, his body of work suggests to me over the past two years that – He's just not consistent right. enough to be able to and, deliver. And what game. I'm saying is I don't know if there's a such thing as a consistent goalie in the NHL anymore. Look at Cam Talbot. He was four, third in Vezina Trophy winning in the toilet. Connor Hellebuck the year before benched, and then they bring in Steve Mason to start. Mason's gone after one game. Hellebuck's a Vezina finalist. Hmm. It goes on and on and on, right? I think Sergei Bobrovsky is almost the only consistent goalie in the NHL right now. I think the only trend right now is that, you know, starting goalies want to play all 82 games, but if, if we're, what we're seeing now is that you shouldn't play more than maybe 65 games a year. Yep, 66. You look at Andre Vasilevsky yeah. and the workload he took on, and it hammered him by the end. His numbers really dropped as the season uh, came to a close, and, and that hurt Tampa Bay. For sure. Uh, speaking of hurting, this is the transition to what the poor Newark Islanders fans are feeling right now. Uh, one, one thing I want to say quickly to the Islanders fans is we know you're hurting, and we know you don't want to hear... Uh, anything trying to reassure you find it patronizing but guys and gals maybe stay off Twitter you're not going to find stuff you like so you're, I, I don't know I don't know about you guys I'm mean, getting a lot of hate just for even things just saying hey Islanders don't worry you have Matt Barzell etc etc they don't want to hear it but mm. get off Twitter no, stop I actually, reading no, I, actually reading came out, I actually came out Take on Sunday break. I actually came out on Sunday and said to all the Islanders fans who derided and verbally abused writers for saying, for having the temerity to say that John Tavares might leave and that he might come to Toronto, we accept your apologies. I'm sure that went well. No, I didn't. No, no people, really? people lost their shit. People yeah. lost their shit. Did we think? I, I never said. I thought. I never thought Tavares was coming. I thought I, he was staying. Yeah, I yeah. thought he was staying. Too. Oh no, no, but yeah. but no, but no, but for. <laughs> but two, I see what you're saying. Ken. No, but for two years, like any time I ever said anything about John Tavares leaving the Islanders. Like, it, it wasn't just, I disagree. It was, you're an effing asshole. Why do you have a job? Blah, blah, blah. So I just thought, you know, tit for tat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if there are any Islanders fans who haven't turned off the podcast now and do want to hear about the team's future, um, what do you guys think? Is there any reason for optimism? or Is there, is there going to be an extended period of more pain? Or are things not as bleak as they may seem right now? Well, I think it's all of those things. I, I, think, there, I think there is reason for optimism, yeah. but I think there's going to be more pain. Oh, yes. It will be bleak for the next two or three years, at least. I just want to say one thing. 
Islanders won two playoff rounds with John Tavares. Two playoff rounds. They made the playoffs four times. They missed them five. I think. Did they win one? Was there one playoff round? I can't. I can't think. I, I, I thought. I thought I looked, and maybe they've only won one. Anyways, anyways, they were lousy with them. Generally speaking, they had one or two good years the year they made the playoffs and beat Florida. They the things and beyond. They were they weren't good with them. They weren't that good. Yeah, so they're not they're not moving on from a, a, this crazy fruitful period. Exactly. Of yeah, exactly. Right. And so, what do you do when you consistently are not good? And you consistently come up short, and you consistently don't meet expectations. You got to make a change. Mm-hmm. And so, like, why not make the change now? You know, why not make the change now? I, I wrote this last week. I, I'm not convinced that the 11 million dollars that the New York Islanders are going to save in cap space and money over the next eight years, I, I'm not convinced that that's not going to be a good thing for them. I don't think this is the, the sky is falling in here. Like I said, John Tavares, they were lousy with him. They missed the playoffs with him. They can do the same without him. And, and they've got – I mean, I think, Ryan, as you probably would know, mm-hmm. when we were at the draft, you know a lot more about the draft than I do, but every person I talked to at the draft was raving about what the Islanders did at the draft this year. Yeah. Raving. They got the best. They got one of the best coaches in the NHL. They got one of the best GMs in the NHL. They don't have a goalie, and they're you know they're woeful down. I mean they're they're they, they've got to they've got to fix a lot of things down the middle. Um, but again, they've got the room now. They've got yeah. the space. They've got the canvas. I don't think it's. I, I don't think this is a chicken little situation at all. No, there's definitely hope, and I, I think right now you're looking at kind of year zero for the Islanders, but you're in a good spot because your scouts have done a pretty nice job so far. Um, you know, Matt Barzal, he's your number one center. Calder Trophy winner, you know, he's only going to get better. Um, and in the here and now, you've got guys that he can play with. Anders Lee was fantastic with Tavares. I don't see why it would be any different uh, with Matt Barzal. So you're going to have some scoring. That's fine. Now, Kiefer Bellows is coming up. Great scoring winger. Still needs a bit of time. That's fine. Oliver Wallstrom, um, another fantastic scoring winger. He'll need a year or two at least. That's fine as well. Noah Dobson, amazing puck-moving defenseman of size. Still scratching the surface of what he can be. He'll need another year or two at least. That's fine. Now, goaltending has been horrid on Long Island. Uh, and Brooklyn for a long time but you do have an option coming in Elias Sorokin who has been amazing in the KHL for the past couple of years still under contract you're not going to see him for a couple of years you probably want to you know barring an amazing training camp maybe you want to see him in Bridgeport for a little bit first just to get used to North American rinks and that sort of thing so really in say four years all of a sudden you have Matt Barzal in his prime, Anders Lee still in his prime, and then you've got Bellows, Wallstrom, Dobson, maybe Bodie Wild, who knows how he'll develop. You have Sorokin and Net. All of a sudden, that's a pretty nice core. Yep. And right. yep. you've got a lot of cap space, so maybe in the interim you've taken on some bad contracts and got nice assets out of it. For all we know, the Islanders picked first overall next year and get Jack Hughes. Now, all of a sudden, you get Barzal and Hughes as your one-two center. 
That's amazing. Colorado's picking first overall next Probably. Year. This is, yeah. is yeah. going to end just horribly oh, for the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ottawa, yeah, Ottawa, yeah. <laughs> Ottawa, quote unquote, wins the lottery and then has to give the pick to the Avs. Um, but, yeah, either way, the future is now for the Islanders. I think what they do is they take their lumps. They're in a tough division, anyways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You bought them out and you bought them out proper. Yep. Uh, Lou Lamorello has already overseen this yeah, once exactly. uh, in Toronto. He, he's, he's been there. He's familiar with the process. And, like, you don't even have to really tank. No, like, you, you, don't, just, you, don't, you don't have to tank. You like, just you toss those guys out. Yeah, you just, you just sort of stay the course and run your franchise as, you know, looking yeah. to the future. And, and that's not, you know, that's not a tank. No, play Leo Komarov 21 minutes a night. It'll yeah. take care of itself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was horrible on Sunday. Well, that was horrible. That, that's the thing. Yeah. So I, I, for the most part, agree with you guys. Uh, I, and also, from a goaltending perspective, you also got Linus Soderstrom as well. So they're going to have two guys to choose from down the road. Um, and a lot of Islanders fans have said, well, we don't want to do another rebuild. We've been rebuilding for two decades. But rebuilding with Lou Lamorello is not the same as rebuilding with Mike Mulberry or Garth Snow. Yes. With respect to those two gentlemen. Lamarillo's I don't know dead. if you even need to say that. Yeah. Well, and, and like, what's the rebuild? What, what are they rebuilding from? No, yeah, no, really? it's a build. Yeah, it's a it's build. Not, it's yeah. not even a it's rebuild. It's a build. Like, unless it's, it's you say, you know, unless we're rebuilding from the 80s Islanders or early 90s <laughs> Islanders. Yeah, yes. because there's not, you can't rebuild from nothing. A, you know, like mud hut anyways, right? right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the one thing I, that I don't think was a great look is the, the signing of Komarov and Valtteri Filippola. It, it kind of reeked of reactionary desperation. Well, look, no, look, fans, we're, we're doing this. It's okay, it's okay. And if I were Lamorello, I would have just let that be because I agree. You, you don't want to tank, but you just want to roll with maybe a younger roster. And it's not like you signed Komarov for a one-year deal where you can flip him. You signed him for three years, and now you're just stuck with Leo Komarov. But you're not going to be good in that time. Can, can I say something too? Um, I, I just think that you gotta have NHL players on your team. You gotta have NHL players and experienced players on your team because if you get into this cycle of losing and losing becomes acceptable and these guys are just a bunch of young guys, nobody to lean on, no one to sort of guide the way, um, I just think that you end up getting you. Then you become the Arizona Coyotes, the Edmonton Oilers, the Buffalo Sabers. Right, but losing but, begets losing begets losing. Be, and there's no veteran presence there to say, "Hey guys, look, let's just okay, we're gonna lose, but let's do things the right way." On one year deals, on one year deals, and what teams like Buffalo and Edmonton have in common is they have veterans earning too much money who are stuck yeah. on the team on long term deals. Yeah. yeah. So. To me, the smart move is, I agree, bring in the veteran leadership, one-year deals, one-year deals, one-year deals. Then you can flip them if they have any value at the deadline. If your team's more competitive than expected, you can keep them. And then they're off the books in the summer. You can bring in some more guys. But now you're stuck with Leo Komarov's money for multiple seasons, and I don't think that helps. It's only three. It's only, it's only three. three. It's not like a Milan Lucic deal. No, it's, it's only not. three million dollars. Yeah. And if you and and if if the if the absolute worst thing happens, like and and like everything goes south, you stick them in the minors and you take nine hundred thousand off of that. For, for your cap, I, it's, I don't, it's not going to happen yeah, in a year. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think yeah. it's. I don't think it's. It's. It's going to be that bad. With I just him. think you can get more assets. So if you have guys on one-year deals, you can flip them and you can keep amassing more and more picks. Which is well, that's what, what that's Lamorello what Montreal did, did with Lucanets. They're going to flip them again at the deadline. Yeah, <laughs> and the Leafs did it under Lamorello, right? Yeah. Like they, the, you know, the Daniel Winnick type guys. Right? Yeah. Actually, the Islanders have missed the playoffs six times. Made them three times under the virus, and you're right. They've only won one oh. playoff round, not two. The one thing I'd say to Islanders fans is don't 
panic. If Matt Barzell is a 70-point player next year, which I think he will be, don't panic because he doesn't have the insulation now in the lineup, right? So he's going to be facing much tougher competition uh, because that was what made Barzell and and Tavares such a deadly tandem is you couldn't key on one line. Now you absolutely can. You just key on the Barzell line. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him score a lot less, and it won't be a disastrous regression. It will just be a reality check and, for and him. Yeah. A lot less help. And he'll become a better player because he'll learn through that. He'll learn that he has to play harder. He'll learn how to play against better players. He'll learn he has to play defense more. Um, yeah. So in the long run, it might actually be better for him. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so we talked about the Leafs and the Islanders who stole most of the headlines, but a lot of other stuff went on as free agency kicked off and, and the draft petered out. Um, who is your off-season winner and loser so far? Go ahead, Ryan. You take this one first. All right. Well, for my winner, I'm going to go with the Vegas Golden Knights. Landing Paul Stastny, uh, a two-way veteran center that was coveted by many teams, including Winnipeg. And, you know, you look at Vegas and Winnipeg, those are teams that have already met in the playoffs once, and we know Winnipeg's going to be there again. If Vegas wants to get back to that Western Conference final, you know, they're probably going to meet up with Winnipeg at some point in the next couple of years. So I thought stealing him from Winnipeg was pretty good and, and kind of stealing him from St. Louis as well because they could have used him, although they're fine with O'Reilly now. But I think a great message was sent there by the Golden Knights that in their first real summer of free agency, they landed the guy they wanted. And they didn't do anything dumb. They got... Stastny, they didn't do a whole lot of other stuff, you know. They let James Neal go. You know, David Perron went. That's fine. You've got a roster that was already pretty solid. You're just tweaking now. And you're not taking on bad contracts because that was an advantage you had as a new team. So, uh, And then I also thought that Nick Holden was kind of an underrated sign for them. I thought that, you know, he broke out a couple of years ago with the Rangers and... Um, in Boston, it wasn't as successful, but I think with that sort of core in Vegas where all the defense, you know, sort of play their own roles, I think Holden is a nice option there. So I like what Vegas did. And uh, for a loser, I'm looking at the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, I see a team that essentially traded Connor Sheary and Matt Hunwick for Jack Johnson. Uh, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you essentially traded Connor Sheary away for nothing. You know, Jack Johnson couldn't even crack Columbus's top six, and he asked know. for a trade last year because he couldn't because he wasn't playing enough. Yeah, yeah, and you know we know the situation where he needs the money, um, but then I, you know I, I just see I, I see losses in Pittsburgh. You know, like um, sure they brought back Matt Cullen, that's fine. He'll be their fourth line center, but Carter Rowney, you know. He left, and it just seems like things are getting chipped away in Pittsburgh, and they don't have the pipeline to make up for it. Like, maybe Daniel Sprung takes a step this year. Very similar to Chicago, right? Exactly. No more assets after years of championships. Yeah, like, they're they're literally going back to being the Penguins, where they got no wings. You know? Hey! Um, (laughs) And, you know, who knows what'll happen with Phil Kessel. Maybe he sticks around, maybe he doesn't. But I, I just worry that... Washington has already beaten them and is no longer afraid of them. 
I think when you look at them going up against Tampa, they would have matchup problems in the playoffs. And I think against Toronto, they would have matchup problems in the playoffs as well. Once you get into that, you know, Kadri versus Derek Broussard or something like that. Um, speed will beat that team. Speed will beat that team. So that, that defense in particular. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's my worry about Pittsburgh is that they're getting worse and, and other teams in the East are getting better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, well, uh, for winners, uh, we can't pick Toronto as a winner and the Islanders as a loser. We've already established that, right? Right. So, yeah. so I will say um, for a winner, I will say the St. Louis Blues. Um, I like I like the moves they made. I, I think they gave up a ton for Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, they like did. I, I would have just thought that taking on that contract and the signing bonus and everything would have been enough. But they yeah. they obviously targeted that as a need. Um, you know, I mean, they they lost Stastny last year, um, and uh, and and um, so they needed to replace that. And they and they I think they've done a great job with that with Ryan O'Reilly. Um, you know, a one-two, three-punch of Ryan O'Reilly, Braden Shen, and, uh, and um, Tyler, Bozak, Tyler Bozak. Tyler Bozak, whom they also signed. Or Braden Shen, Ryan O'Reilly, and Tyler Bozak. That's probably more what the pecking order is going to be. Um, you know, I mean, Robbie Fabry, you hope and think, is going to come back and be a productive, healthy player, and they're going to be able to sign him. I think the David Perron signing was a really, you know, they probably gave more term than they would have liked. Um, but the, you know, I mean that. But you know, I mean, a four four million over four years would have been five million over three if you hadn't, you know, if, right. you, if you hadn't gone four. So, and like, I mean, that guy has, you know, talk to any players in the league. That that guy has skills coming out the wazoo. Like he is just so such a skilled guy. I think you know he's probably comfortable there. He's played there before. He you know he probably is is going to fit in pretty well there. You know, I mean, their defense is pretty well set. Uh, it's aging, but it's still, I think, a very mm-hmm. solid defense core. And then it comes down, obviously, to whether or not, you know, what you talked about with goaltending, whether or not Jake Allen's going to have a good year or a bad year. Uh, loser, um, I'm st- I can't shake the Los Angeles Kings being a loser in free agency. I just, I just can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, the oldest, slowest team in the league got older and probably slower uh, by signing Ilya Kovalchuk. And, um, uh, and, you know, I mean... The Drew Doughty con the Drew Doughty contract's gonna look really good for a few years, and then it's probably gonna look really bad. And and I look at the Drew Doughty contract like I look at the John Tavares contracts. Everybody talked about for five years how the Islanders were getting a deal on John Tavares and how they were getting this team friendly deal and how great it was. Well, this is where you're paying for it. Right. This is right. where you're paying for it. Right now is where you're paying for it, because this is the deal that John Tavares should have got coming out of entry level. This, you know, and, yeah. and when the Islanders, when the Islanders could have signed John Tavares out of entry level, it was the year before the lockout. They could have signed him to one of these goofy deals. Like for 10 years. Yeah, for or, 10, right, 12, right. 15, 20, 200 years, whatever they wanted, right? And they did it. They got him on this deal that got outdated about 10 games into his first season. Yeah. And, uh, and then it looked really good for five years, but now they're paying for it. Mm-hmm. So instead of paying up front and keeping Tavares for another for three years... They were, you know, penny penny wise and pound foolish, and they saved a lot of money 
and cap space for five years, and now they're paying. And I think the same thing is going to be with Doughty. I think the same thing is going to happen. I think Doughty, and I, I think all these guys should be getting this money coming out of entry level when they're this good. Yeah. And not, you know, you don't give them a bridge deal for five years at six million or whatever. No, pay them now. You got them for that means you got them for eleven years, and then they're they're you know twenty nine years old, and then you start talking about well you're. Obviously a declining asset, and it wouldn't be that big a deal if you lose. See, right? you make an interesting point there, because if we look at Joe Thornton, fantastic player, maybe even a Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. Next yeah. year and this past season, he will make a combined total of $13 million. Yeah. In what are probably two of his least effective seasons ever. Right. Would you rather have not had Joe Thornton on those contracts you know, in his early days in San Jose. But that's the way that the league works, that right. you reward people after they accomplish things. That's, that's the problem. It's so is, bizarre. Is that, is that players get rewarded for what they did. And lots of times they get rewarded for doing stuff with other teams. It's not even the same team yeah, that pays them. Right, you know what I mean? Right. I don't know how you fix it, but it's just a weird you thing. Fix it, you, fix it by, you fix it by giving these guys big money coming out of entry. Like, like, like McDavid. Like, like okay, right. okay, so Detroit right now. Detroit, right? They're gonna. They've got Dylan Larkin, Andreas Athanasiu, and Anthony Mantha coming out of entry level right now. Mm. They're gonna play hardball with all three of them. Yeah, they're gonna play hardball with all three of them. And Dylan Larkin's probably gonna get six million dollars a year on a, whatever term he wants. Yeah, right. If he wants to go eight years, sixty-six million dollars. I doubt if he would. He could do that. He may go two years, three years, whatever. He's penciled in at six million. Great, great. If Dylan Larkin becomes your Henrik Zetterberg, becomes your Pavel Datsuk, becomes that, then great. You got him for three or four years on a, on a really reasonable contract. Then you're paying once he, once he reaches the age of 27 and unrestricted free agency. Rather than saying, okay, Dylan, look, you're our guy. You're our guy. Yeah. You know, for better or for worse, you are our Connor McDavid. You are our, you know, this guy, that guy. You're our Jack Eichel, whatever. We're going to take care of you for eight years. Mm. Right, and we've then we've got you for eight. It's the way the for some reason it's like the way the general manager or just human brain works. That you want to pay for what you've already seen instead of what you hope to see. Yeah, it's just right. It seems like no one can right. Like when you buy a car, you're buying a car for what it's going to give you in the next five years. You know, you don't buy a car because well, that was a great car for six years. Yeah. I'm going to pay I top dollar. Races. I'm going to pay top dollar for that car. You don't pay more for a used car. Yeah, I'm going to pay top dollar for that car that's depreciated by eighty-seven percent. This car has already gone five hundred thousand miles. It's very reliable. We're paying for five hundred thousand more. Yeah. Uh, I think my winner is the Calgary Flames, and yes, I know they lost Dougie Hamilton, and no one wants to lose Dougie Hamilton from a pure hockey standpoint. Um, well, a couple of teams. There. A couple of teams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In the, yeah, there's, in the I, can think, I can think of three in particular. Well, that's why I said from a pure hockey standpoint. Yeah. I didn't say from a dressing room <laughs> standpoint. Two in particular, yeah. uh, Michael Furland, I mean, yes, they lost him too. But as I said in the last podcast, he played with Monaghan Gaudreau. Um, and Adam Fox is still a future. He's not a sure thing. You're adding James Neal. You're adding Elias Lindholm to your top six. You've got Derek Ryan now as your, as your number three center behind Monaghan and Backland. Um, you got Bill Peters coming in as your head coach, and you've got Noah Hannafin. I think I think the Flames, to me, the Pacific Division is still up for grabs. Yep. Uh, and I, I absolutely think the Flames are going to be back in the playoffs. They had horrible injury injury luck this year with you know Monahan, uh, Monahan's body just falling and apart. Their and their goalie. And their goalie. And Mike, yeah. and Mike yeah. Smith was great before he got hurt. Right. right. Uh, so uh, to me, the Flames have huge bounce back potential. I wouldn't be surprised if they were maybe the second best team in the Pacific. Well, they were 20, 27th, 28th in goals last year, and they picked up James Neal. So that's that's yeah. obviously a really good pickup at a on a contract that you know I mean five point seven five. That's not 
outrageous over five years. Right. And, and from a goal scoring standpoint, even Elias Lindholm's floor is kind of like Michael Ferland's ceiling, right? Like Michael Ferland's, if he's, Michael Ferland scores 20 goals, that's a great year for him. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Lindholm, the expectation is 20 goals. Right. Uh, right. And in terms of a loser, I'm going to say the Boston Bruins. Um, I think it's sort of a deer in the headlights type of offseason. They lose Riley Nash. And Riley Nash only got, what, $2.4 million? It costs less than Ryan Reeves' money to keep Riley he Nash. Might have been, he might have been the best, most effective, most productive third-line center in the league. In the league. Yeah. And, he, and yeah. he could play. Riley Nash, yeah. He was a point-per-game yeah, player yeah. when he was yeah. pressed into duty he, with Marsha and Pasternak. And when Bergeron got hurt, he was right That's there. right. He yeah. had 13 points yeah. in 13 games. Yeah. And you let him go, and, and that's, how, that's all it costs to keep him $2.4 million? I think it was two point seven. Two point seven, but it was less than I know. It was less, less than, than Ryan Reeves, right? Yeah. It was less than what Ryan Reeves got. Oh my god! <laughs> which is insane, <laughs> insane. And they so that you lose Riley Nash, you lose Rick Nash, uh, and I know the Bruins were linked to a lot and of different Anton creations. Kudobin. Anton Kudobin, and they bring in. Well, I mean, Yaroslav Black's a good backup. You pay a decent amount of money to John Moore. Wait a second. A good backup, not starter. <laughs> he's fine as a backup. He's fine as as a clear. Yeah, he can he's sit there with twenty he games sit, a year. He can look really good sitting there with a ball cap on his head. Yeah, <laughs> but if you're only asking Halak to play twenty games, I'm sure he's fine. You know, he's he's as good as Anton Kadobin. Come on, sure he is. Uh, but and John Moore, I don't know. I mean, Moore's fine, but I think I think the Bruins got pressured into a market that didn't have a great defenseman available, so they paid John Moore maybe a little more than he's worth. And they already got like seven or eight NHL defensemen yeah. already. Yeah, you know. Like I feel. I like mean, I guess money... I guess you, you you're looking at it from you're going to flip one of those guys, and you can never have too many defensemen. But <laughs> that that one seemed odd. Yeah. Right. And we know they they really wanted Ilya Kovalchuk. They didn't win those sweepstakes and I think that's a team where, where Kovalchuk actually would have been a fit unlike LA right so I don't know and then you see what the Leafs have done I think the Boston now I would put them projecting I would project them as third in the Atlantic Division right Not now Toronto, yeah. Tampa, right? Or Tampa and Toronto. Yeah, yeah yeah I think they've fallen behind and yeah. there aren't really many great assets out there in free agency they can grab now to sort of catch up I guess they probably need to trade if they're going to do it uh, which could still happen, yeah. right? You never know. Maybe they go in on, who knows, Eric Carlson, or maybe they try to trade for Jeff Skinner, whatever. Um, but as of this time, I think the Bruins are behind the eight ball in that division. Mm-hmm. And I think even, I think Buffalo, things are looking up for Buffalo. Sure they I think are. Florida's going to be a lot better next yeah. year. Yeah. So I don't know. It's like, to me, it's your move, Don Sweeney. Like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Uh, very quickly, before we finish the podcast, uh, we know now teams have been given permission to negotiate with Eric Carlson as part of a sign and trade. Uh, assuming he's not traded while you're listening to this podcast. Uh, very quickly, predict Eric Carlson's team on October 1st. And it can be the Senators if you, if you think he's not going to go. Starting with... If you guys are... If you're not yeah, sure... You go I, ahead. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say... I mean, I've had this feeling about Tampa. I don't know how it's going to work. They're going to have to move an asset out. Maybe it's Tyler Johnson, whatever. Um, but I think that Iserman... He's ready to make – I mean, when he, the McDonough trade and extension tells us he believes this team is good enough. They don't need to add more youth. They have their critical mass of talent. So I think Tampa's going to go all in and get Eric Krauss. Ooh, I'm going to say Vegas. Yeah. I feel that's the play, and, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel he'll be there by October 1st. I'm going to say Ottawa uh, just because I think if he was going to move, the critical time to move him was by the draft. And uh, I, I just think that things are such a mess there now that, <laughs> that um, they, they – uh, oh, man, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, I mean, they, they, they kept saying they were going to start negotiating with them on July 1st when they could have been negotiating, negotiating with them whenever they wanted up yeah. to that point. All they had to do was announce July 1st. Yeah. And, and I just think that 
I don't know. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of faith in what's going on in the front office in Ottawa right now. So I'm going to default to what's the worst thing they could do. And that is keep Eric Carlson <laughs> and go into the season with Eric Carlson. Yeah, find a way to buy. So, and then, so and then like, they don't trade him at the deadline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. He walks. So like, so like, so like. Other than that, like, I, I just. How do you explain this? How do you how do you make any sense of this? Any? Yeah. It's just a, a just a forever burning tire fire. I, I would have said Pittsburgh for Eric Carlson if they didn't spend that money on Jack Johnson. Uh, I think that would have been a great fit. Just to yeah. Eric Carlson. How many times have we said, "Wow, why'd they pick that guy up?" Like you were ta- like you were saying before the podcast, Ryan. Like, why? Oh God, Justin Schultz? Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, Haven't they true. watched him play for the last couple There's of years? There's a little bit of Pittsburgh magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's a fair point. You never know. You never know. Well, everyone, thanks for listening and stay tuned. I'm sure there'll be some kind of trade or something popping up throughout the off season. We'll be talking about it on the next podcast.